0: Righto, guys, exciting news. Like we always do, we've actually pulled off the pay-per-view for the Podcast Royale on the 27th of April so you'll be able to watch us swinging down the flats.
1: Fucking oh, swinging, biting down on the mouth guard and going for the KO, all three of us. It wasn't an easy task, Kim, for the whole Alpha Events team and it was a frequently asked question, so we are pleased to announce it will be pay-per-viewed. You will be able to get everyone around on the source and watch us swing The second part of this announcement is obviously the boxing shirts to go with the event to support us. If you're on the Alpha team, buy yourself an Alpha Blokes boxing shirt. The pre-sale will be 18th till the 20th of March at alphablokes.com.au. This shirt is never coming back. It's a new design. It's a new style. We're fucking keen and we're excited that you guys will be able to watch from anywhere now. So get a shirt each, get on the piss, support each other, wear it on the night. Let's fucking go. Top of the morning to you This episode is brought to you by St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped This year don't just chase rainbows Make your own pot of gold And groom your little leprechaun With the leaders in below the kilt care Say goodbye to your clover forest with Manscaped's lawnmower 5.0 and let your conference shine bright. Embrace the look of the Irish and join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Head over to Manscaped.com and use the code ALPHA for 20% off and free shipping.
0: Aye, Tommy, ever (laughs) since I've ever used Manscaped, I can proudly say that a farm, I put a goat at the end of the rainbow. So get 20% off and free shipping with the
1: code ALPHABLOKES at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code ALPHABLOKES at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped.
0: I just want to say from the bottom of my heart... I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. (laughs) The double champ does what the (laughs) he wants. Welcome back to another episode of the Alpha
1: Blokes Podcast. Here yeah, to give the everyday battle a voice, delete head noise, one laugh at a time, let's delete a beer.
0: It's me first uh, crack of the arbo ale, so let's get into it.
1: Yeah, sweet. Cheers, bud. Thanks. Jogging a can, winning a tin. Now, intro to today's guest, race car driver and adult content creator, Renee Gracie. Hello. How you doing?
2: Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No Thanks worries. for coming up.
1: Thanks for coming up in that weapon of a fucking car. <laughs> that stands out like dog's ball, doesn't
2: it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my Florello Ram is getting a few looks on the way here, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: especially the number plate draws a bit of attention to it as well.
2: Yeah, and the stickers on the side say see me get rammed so <laughs> 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 with the QR code on the side of it, so yeah. people look confused when they see that.
1: Especially coming through uh, our little area that we've got the studio here. There's a few wild looking critters. Yeah. So I reckon that'd fucking spin some heads.
2: Yeah, it confuses people. They're like, what do you mean, see, you get rammed? What's going on? And they
0: look at the so building going, was she going to the hairdressers, the doctors, or going to get a gel blast? Especially if uh, Mitch is in the passenger seat
1: and he winds the window down and gives him a wink.
2: Yeah, he <laughs> likes it. I think he liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Oh, so obviously, it had a lot to do with cars. You know, yeah. through your whole life why don't you get into that like how did you sort of start as a kid I suppose getting into that sort of thing
2: yeah weirdly started in go-karting sort of unintentionally on a family holiday went go-karting um my sister and my mum wanted to go paragliding and I didn't because I don't like to be up high and yeah. didn't want to get wet so I just thought fuck it let's just drive around and see what else we can do um and yeah dad and I went and found a go-kart track at Hamilton Island, loved it, was obsessed with it. I went tandem with him at once. Oh, and, then, yeah. and then I was just like, no, I need to piss you off. You're pissing me off. You can't drive. You're slow. Like, yeah. let me go by myself. And we were the only ones there. So the guy actually let me go by myself. I think I was under – I was like 11 and I needed to be 12.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: but the guy was just like, fuck it, just go out. So, yeah, I was hooked. I just loved it. And we came back to the Gold Coast and I was like to Dad, let's go go-karting again this weekend. Like, why can't we just go find a go-kart somewhere like what we did at Hamilton Island and we went to Kingston Park Raceway and I was just hooked from there it was just an obsession it was every weekend it was then I actually was getting my dad to say that I was my sister and he was lying about my age so I could go on the faster go-karts at Kingston because I was just obsessed yeah yeah and then all of a sudden I you know asked for he's like what do you want for your birthday because my birthday was coming up and I said I want a go-kart and he's like you can't get one and I was like I'm gonna get one and yeah yeah, got my own go-kart and started competing and go-karting not long after
1: yeah right Mm -hmm. and what age was that when you started competing
2: 12, 13, I was 12, just turned 13 when when we got to take it a bit more seriously and we actually went to go-kart tracks and I was competing competitively as such, even though it was like lower club level competition, I was actually racing and winning trophies, yeah.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah. So your dad had no background in racing or anything, this is purely formed from you?
2: Yeah, I would say my dad is a pen pusher, he is an accountant, he...
0: Yep, so he ain't got boy. no
2: idea. He we didn't even have tools. We we were like going we were like the bums of the cart trackers. We would go around and I'd have an issue and my dad, because I was a young girl, he'd be like, Now go up and ask that man if he's got a flathead screwdriver. Yeah. And I'm like, flathead screwdriver, okay. And then I would walk up to these guys and they'd be like, My dad's asking if you have this, and they'd be like, Oh, let's just come over and have a look and they'd all like fix and work on the go-kart for us because my dad had no idea what he was <laughs> yeah. doing. And yeah. so my dad was using me as his pretty little girl walking up to people and they'd feel sorry for me and they'd come help me with the go-kart and then I'd go smoke their son on the go-kart track. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you find that you were like good at it straight away? Is that what you reckon drew you to um, enjoying it?
2: Yeah, I think I was and I think... Maybe my dad was very hesitant, but my dad saw that I loved it so much. I don't think dad cared that I was good at it. Yeah. He could see that I was good and happy that I was good, but he was just fed by my obsession was, was the yeah. main reason why we, we kept doing it. And that was a deal that I had with my dad from very early on because I was doing school through all this, so I was dropping out of school a lot more the more we, seriously we took it. And one thing he always said, he said, the day you stop trying – and the day your motivation leaves is the day this all ends. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to do this, but yeah. I'm doing it for you. So that was the deal that we had from the very beginning.
1: That's pretty cool, though, eh? for, like for your dad to mm. be like that. Because yeah. I suppose as a parent myself, like I love footy and stuff, but if my son wants to do whatever – Go-kart, whatever. Like, something that he wants to do, I'll fully support him. I think that's the main thing to be able to do as a parent, eh?
2: Yeah, and I think he recognised that and realised that. And it was also very easy for him to realise how hard it was going to be being a girl. Because as the father, he saw the background, the people talking and the guys bullying me and picking on me at the track. And, like, I'd go to play handball and kick a footy with the boys and they'd, like, push me over or kick it in my face. And and he could see all of that, but I was a bit young and naive. So for Mm. him, it was... The motivation thing, as long as I kept driving it, he was happy to keep doing it. He yeah. was very easily, like, if I gave him one excuse, he would have pulled the pin because it was just, he had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. I was a girl, I was getting picked on. It could have quite easily been very hard and very painful for the both of us. So yeah. I think he recognised that it was probably going to be more pain for him if he told me no because I would have kicked and screamed and chucked the shit. So yeah. I think, yeah, the motivation from from my end was the only reason why it, it happened, basically.
1: Yeah, nice. And was that, when did you realise that... There was a bit of something there. Like, as in with the go-karts, like, was there a stage you got to or a race you won where you're like, fucking hell, like, I'm pretty good at this?
2: I think for me it took ages to get to that because I had to prove myself for so long. So I think... When I started competing in club level stuff and I started to get really competitive, um, I had a, it was funny, I went to a race at Toowoomba and I was winning the race by like seven seconds and I've come down the back straight on the last lap and my fucking wheel comes off. And I've like slammed into this tyre barrier, I've like rolled the go-kart and I've come up and I've just absolutely lost it at my dad, right, because he didn't put the wheel on properly and I've just lost the race. And I am blowing up, like, just calling my dad, every name under the sun, giving him a really good character assessment of how useless he is. And um, <laughs> and I had this guy come up to me afterwards and because I was trying so hard to just keep winning, to prove people that I can keep winning. Like, that was my goal, to show people that I was legit. Because yeah. if I wasn't winning, if I was second or third, whoever was near me would just send me off. So like my goal was if I'm winning and I'm not around boys, they won't hit me off the track and I'll actually be competitive because mm. I just they'd just eat me up alive. So I had someone tap me on the back and he's like, I want to introduce you to someone and this person is super important. They're a very good go karter. He's just won the world championship. He's come back over from overseas um, and he wants to be your mechanic and I'm going to introduce you to him. And so he come up to me and I, and I said hello to him. His name was Ben. And he's like, you're really good but your dad's holding you back. And I go, you fucking go tell him that. And so yeah. he's like, I'm going to go tell him that. I just wanted to say hello to you first. And then he went up to my dad and he's just like, my name's Ben. I'm a world champion. I want to mechanic your daughter. Um, you know, you're going to be the hindrance to her success. Let me take over give me a budget you you do what I tell you to do and she can go places and she can do things so from that point on is when I was finally like finally like someone's noticed me I've got you know I'm pissing dad off because he can't help me because he doesn't know left from right and he can't you know, figure out a spanner from a screwdriver and whatever else and and he was the one who sort of gave me belief that after all of you know me trying so hard and all the shit that I went through being picked on and stuff from all the boys yeah. finally someone was telling me that I was good enough and wanted to help me um so that was probably the turning point and from then on on ben said no more racing no more club shit we were sort of halfway through a year and he said from this day on you're going to come out to the track friday to sunday so three days in a row and all we're going to do is laps and laps and laps. And so we did laps and then we started travelling. So we were just testing all around Australia and then the next year is when I sort of went full serious into the, the ProTax Rotax Pro Tour and all the national series and that's when I sort of went, well, I was sort of third or fourth in Australia for those last few years. That's when we went seriously.
0: Yeah, nice. Did your dad stay with you through that period or did he give, you, oh mate, a hug going, thank fuck I'm out. Yeah. I'm taking the back foot. He was
2: at the thank fuck I'm out stage yeah, because right. there was a few times my wheel fell. Off, chains would fall off. I actually blew an engine up at Kalula, at the, just up past Gympie. The, there's a oh, go kart yep, truck yep. up there we used to go to all the time. Um, I was again at this, it was a practice day, and we had just bought a new engine, and dad forgot to put oil in the fuel. And so he's just paid like three grand for this new engine, and I'm halfway down. Two stroke engine. Yeah. Yep. And the things just locked up, and then the engines just seized. And dad's like, what's happened? And then sure enough, he's like, oh shit, the oil that he had filled up to pour in the petrol was still on the bench <laughs> <laughs> next to the go kart truck. <laughs> Um, trailer where the where the tools and everything were and dad's like oh fuck and so we were at the stage where it was like my ability was far outweighing his ability and it just just wasn't working well, anymore good
1: on your old man for having a fucking go at something he had no mm. idea about and being a good bloke about old mate saying you're holding him back and then you know what a fucking legend
2: yeah yeah dad dad had to learn a lot but he's dad's one to sort of realize and understand his abilities and I think he only did the go-karting because I wanted to. He yep. didn't have any intentions for it to be where it was. Mm. So I think it was a saving grace having my mechanic and having Ben on board and Dad also knew that he was way out of his element so he just sat back and he's like, I'll just pay the bills, tell me what you want to do yep. and just fucking get it done.
1: Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. And did you find – because I think the interesting part is like with a lot of sports obviously, physicality and stuff like women can't compete with men. So this is one of those industries where you can mm. and it's like that would have been a pretty big thing to overcome that, I suppose, scrutiny from – Male yeah, with sport. the male dominant stuff. Like, mm. how was that right from the start and all the way through to the, like, what we'll get to a bit later on?
2: Yeah, go karting was savage because you're not dealing with the kid. Keep in mind, girls mature a lot older than boys. Yeah. So, as a 13 year old girl compared to a 13 year old boy, half of them are skinny, scrawny, like sticks, and they're nothing. So, I used to get in fights and stuff all the time because I was normally bigger than the boys. <laughs> yeah. So, my dad always used to turn around and say, you're bigger than him? Just go you know, grab him by the throat and push them over. So I used to just go do it because I punch was bigger than Yeah, I'd, I'd punch <laughs> on, but I was bigger than them so they were scared of me because most teenage boys yeah. are quite small, scrawny. Some might be tall, but they're not very big or scary. Sure. I
0: remember grade seven. Well, oh, fucking all the girls were drafts, And I was just like, yeah. never grew. Still haven't.
2: Exactly. Still haven't. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But that's exactly what it was like. And obviously I recognise that as a strength yeah. off track to, to intimidate some of these boys. And a lot of them were quite scared of me. Um, yeah. And that was the plan. Um, but in go-karting, you're not just dealing with the kids, you're dealing with the dads. Mm. And yeah. I would have dads come up to me and just absolutely pepper me, like abuse me. And I would be like, Face to face with like a 50 year old man, just fucking going for it. it. Absolutely going for it. And then when I got older, probably about 16, 17, is when I realized that. I was friends with a lot more people. People sort of were used to me by then and and no one really tried to fight with me because they knew that I'd probably punch on with them. So people sort of stood back and just realised that, you know, I'm here for good and I'm pretty good so just don't fuck with me kind of thing. But every now and then you'd get someone, but they'd go to my dad and my dad is a small little, like, my dad's tiny. Like, he's Mm. shorter than me. He's like 60 kilos. He's like a fucking jockey. Doesn't Um, like confrontation. He's a little little man, Yeah. yeah. And so these big guys would go up to my dad and I'd see the dad's walking towards my dad and I would just be on. Like, I would just don't fucking pick on my dad. If you've got a problem with your kid and me, like you come to me, or even better, send your 17-year-old coward son to come and talk to me. Don't fight his battle. So go-karting was savage. Like, Mm. I was just this angry little thing constantly because I was constantly getting yelled at and picked on. Mums would come out of nowhere. You'd hear, see, mums in canteens would start yelling at me because I would be racing against their son. Like, go-karting was incredible insanely crazy,
1: how savage. What were what some of the things said to you? Well, what were they saying?
2: Oh, mobile chicane, I need to go work in the canteen with the mums, I shouldn't be out on track, I'm, you know, just dangerous, yeah, right. like just crazy stuff, yeah, yeah, like stuff you wouldn't believe. Go play netball with your sister, you shouldn't be at the go-kart track, all those sorts of things from dads, like parents, grown-ass yeah. grown, grown yeah. nice men. I reckon yeah.
1: it would have uh, taken a bit for them to see you go well as well. Like yeah. the fact that you weren't at the back just fucking holding everyone up, that yeah. you were actually beating a few of them probably yeah. would have really and Competitive,
2: and I was—I was someone who I would not take shit. So, like, if mm, if, you're, yeah. if they pushed me off track to get past me, three laps or three, even like sometimes the next race, I yeah. would like return the f- favor. And they'd come and have a problem. I'd be like, remember at lap five at that last race how yeah. he did that to me? I returned the favor. So I learned to be very protective and defensive to survive. Yeah. And they hated it
0: because mm. they couldn't
2: get away with anything with me, and I wouldn't allow it on or off track. Yeah. <laughs> what
0: side of the family did you get this mentality from? Because obviously by your father, it wasn't from that.
2: Yeah. Mm. I think Dad's secretly a cunt. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. (laughs) So I think I'm openly like him a little bit, but my mum's a bit... um, My mum is... is, Strong-willed? Yeah, yeah. strong-willed, stubborn, and I think I get that, like, inner cuntiness and fight from from my dad, but my dad's probably never actually done it or gone through Mm. with it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Dad's got it in him. I've seen he's he's aggressive, but he's sort of... He's a businessman, so he... I find him, you know, like, businessmen have that, like, strong yeah. I just That's how I explain it is the best way to they explain it. I don't have to it.
0: lose control, but they're firm.
2: Yeah, so he's got that side where I'm yep. sort of got my mum's side and I, both. and I lose it more than my dad does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So back to when you were saying Ben took over and you really started to fucking push forward in the go-kart scene. Mm. Like, when people get to that stage of go-karting and doing it at that level, is that an automatic transition into, like, the V8s and the bigger scale things is that how it sort of works normally
2: yeah that's inherently and naturally the next progression if you're pushing that hard and you're dropping the money that some of these kids are dropping that's where you're planning to go next because no one's you know spending 150 grand on go-karting for 10 years in a row just for fun like you you do it for a short period of time and you do a really hard push you be competitive to get picked up to find sponsorships or whatever it is and then you move on so that's that's always the plan is when right. you're spending bitcoin like that it's not for a long period of time it's sort of 2 or 3 years and and then you're moving on.
1: And is that was that his plan with you like when he said to you right we're doing this was it like eventually we're moving to this and you were like fuck yeah or was it just about the go-karting at that stage without the plan for the future?
2: For me I had no idea that racing cars and things outside of go-karting existed. Yeah, so it right. wasn't wasn't the plan at the time but it was Ben's plan. So yeah. Ben obviously knew that I would get picked up and probably do something else along the way and he sort of set everything up that we did knowing that, you know, his journey and his time with me was probably limited, but he wanted to give us the best possible chance to be competitive because he knew where it would probably be going being a female. Yeah. Um, but I never spoke about cars or anything until I got I got sponsored by Fujitsu in a cool driving program for go-karting two years in a row. Yeah, And then I signed with the manager. And then the first talks I had of leaving go-karts was when I signed the manager at 15, I think I was. And that's when we started talking about cars. And I was like, oh, there's... Other things to do is start a go-karting. How cool.
1: (laughs) Do you remember that conversation? like the first
2: yeah. one yeah he came over to my house when I um, I had to sign a contract uh, very official yeah. um, <laughs> just to say that he was going to manage me and he was talking about it was even though it was like a lifetime management kind of deal it was sort of like nothing but just a piece of paper to make it seem sort of official and make me feel you know cool and special and make the experience memorable and he sat me down and he's just like you know do you know what this motorsport career could bring you and have you thought about it and we just got chatting and I remember the main thing that stood out to me is that he said you can earn money from racing cars. And I've gone, fuck. I was like, you tell me I can earn money to do this? And he's like, absolutely. Yeah. And I've gone, what do I have to do to do it? And he's just like, listen to me, follow me, and we can make some money together. And I was like, done. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first sort of conversation that I sort of realised that it was a business and it was a whole career. I could make something out of it and stop spending dad's money and actually start earning money.
0: Yeah. Is there any other way to get into V8s besides go-karting? Nah. There's no other way
2: out. No, there are some kids that have done it, but they're, they're, you've, got to, you've got to have money and you've got to be yep. connected. And, you, you know, most of the kids who haven't done go-karting might have had a dad who's obviously had money and just put them straight into, like, a Formula Ford or an Aussie racing car yeah. or something. But you have to do something smaller. So, like, you know, Formula Ford or Open Wheeler or even now, like, the Toyota 86s and stuff. I know okay, some kids yep. are going in there without doing go-karting. Um, but... 99% of kids are starting in a go-kart. go-kart. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like from that conversation how did it then lead to the point where you were starting to like think about driving the cars and into that stage, you know?
2: Well, I think it wasn't really spoken about, but I think how my manager took it was I signed the contract. I was happy to do anything to make a career out of it. Yeah. Um, I was still finishing. It was halfway through the year and I was in contention to finish third in Australia and go to Peru for the world titles. So that was You're the goal right. was to go to the world titles. Um, and uh, in the background, I didn't know this at the time, but in the background he was obviously working on sponsorship with Fujitsu. Um, and, yeah, I missed out on the world, world titles by one point. So I was doing about that. Yeah. And then it was, I was devastated, like – Cried all the way home in the car was, like, the worst thing that ever happened to me. I thought my life was over. Um, And then he actually, my manager, flew up from Melbourne to Brisbane and come and see me. And he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, you're going to be racing in a Carrera Cup car next year. Like, it's all good. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, what's that? Like, whatever. Cool. Like, didn't have any idea. Had never seen a Carrera Cup car. Had no fucking idea. Just went straight out of a go-kart and then finished the season in November. And then that next year in March or April, I was racing a Porsche. (laughs) Just fucking hell.
0: How was your transition from go kart to car? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. It yeah, was fucking that. Se- pretty seamless. Then. It was
2: just yeah. <laughs> it was just. I always say it was just like a blackout because it just. I had no option and no choice, and it just happened so quickly. I just yep. had to do it, and I just did it. That's it sounded like control. it was
1: like something that you didn't really have any other options either, right? Like it you were just happening. like, "Fucking, yep. this is what I'm doing. Yep. What am I doing? Tell me."
2: Yep, and, and that's exactly what happened. It was okay. I'm going to Melbourne. I'm getting suits fitted. I'm getting ear molds done. I'm meeting the team. I'm doing this, and it was all of a sudden I'm doing media, and then I'm like, "Oh, I've got to do an interview and a live thing and this, this, and this." And before I knew it, I'm at Adelaide, and I'm like, "Oh, how do I fucking start this thing? And where do I go? And how do I leave the pits?" And it was just like yeah. straight into it. And what
0: age gap was this? It was six, 16, 17
2: I was so seventeen when I, 17, ad, yeah. I Go karts in eighteen when I was yep, in so out of cup.
0: school.
1: School's done. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Was Straight.
1: it like the was it like the big fish, and then going back as the little fish in the big pond, going to the cars, or were you just so fucking focused that you were like, nah, I'm sweet.
2: I think I was so focused. I think the Porsche. I guess world. Everyone was really welcoming there, so that that was the oh, one, great. the one category that I did where I felt welcomed, and everyone was excited to have me. The category was happy to have me. All the guys I was competing with were, were really great, especially a lot of the AM drivers who I still see now with racing. They've always been really great to me, and I think everyone knew that I was so young. Yeah, everyone saw me as you know this prospect, and to help me and to mentor me, and I really didn't get much shit. So it was really a, a nice transition, especially coming out of go karting where everyone. It was like savage as and everyone hated each other. Um, to get into the Carrera Cup and have so many people supporting me and, and helping me and wanting to help people I'd never even met. And they're just yeah. like, oh, I'm going to do this for you and I've just done this. And I'm like, wow, thank you so much. So it wasn't really that bad. Um, it's not until I progressed onwards where it started to get worse. Yeah,
1: Yeah, right. And how, how long did you do that for is what you're talking about now? Mm,
2: Carrera Cup I did for two years. Yeah, so right. I did that for two years. So first year was sort of just – massive learning curve like yep. just learning every track i'd never been to any track before still learning the car we didn't have a huge budget so i wasn't able to test so i was just rocking up to racetracks and racing yeah, <laughs> for the first right. time like crazy um and then the next year i was obviously a lot more better i'd learned all the tracks so i didn't have to worry about that anymore which was nice i was going to places that i had been and yeah it was it was a much better year the second year
0: and yeah then we moved on how yep. many girls were in that segment? Or were you the only one? Me. I was the first
2: ever female to race Carrera Cup ever worldwide. Oh yeah. yep.
0: That's pretty cool.
2: Yep. So no female had done a full Carrera Cup season before me.
1: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well done. Mm-hmm. And what what about after that? So you said you moved on from there. Yep. What was the transition there and how did that come about?
2: So we went straight into supercars straight away. So the development series at the time now called the Super 2 Series. Um, we lost Fujitsu. So they were, they were out, but they were pulling all their sponsorship <laughs> from supercars in general, they were going into other sports and they had just got into AFL and they were sponsoring Essendon and they were putting their money elsewhere. They had been in, in motorsport for, for many years. So yep. we knew that our time was short with them as well. So we, we rode that while we while we could. And then we got Caltex on board and Caltex wanted to be on board for a long time, but they wanted full sponsorship. So it worked out perfectly. But the Caltex deal was that they were really only involved in supercars and they didn't really want to sponsor anything in the Carrera Cup. Uh, so they were starting to get into like the Red Bull team and, and yep. they were starting to really entrench themselves in V8 supercars and the deal was sort of we're only going to sponsor Super 2 or supercars you're obviously not going to do supercars because you're not ready so you need to do Super 2 so that was sort of riding on the wall for that to get that sponsorship and to have them on board we, we had to move to Super 2 to keep it keep it running yeah
1: yeah mm. and how did you find going that transition like you went from car to the Porsche and then to the supercars how was that was it just a whole nother like fucking level?
2: Yeah, this jump was the crazy one. So this, I was obviously a little bit older. I was, you know, nineteen, twenty. I had been around for a little bit, and I feel like the Porsche stuff. It was just, just different people, different group. Um, the people that you're running with. It's, it's serious, but it's not as serious. Everyone in, in. Super 2 and like supercars thinks they're the next Lewis Hamilton and it takes it like so goddamn seriously. Yeah. So the transition was definitely not what I expected. Um, and you're racing a lot younger people. When I was in Porsche, it was a mix of young and old being yeah. the pros and the ams, which was really nice because the pros are used to having the ams, which are a little bit slower. They're more respectful on track and it was just a different on track environment. But when I moved to the development series, it's all young kids wanting to be. You know, the next Craig Lowndes. And it is just insane. More savage than what go-karting was. And, and, And it's higher stakes, higher money, and it's just was full on. And it was just a really toxic environment.
1: Yeah, right. Mm. And was it was it the male thing again? Like as in the male dominated, like what's a girl doing here sort of vibes? Yeah, and sort of very,
2: thing? very like big dick energy or wannabe big dick energy. Mm. Like, oh, I'm spending 700 with this team and you're only spending 400. Like you fucking touched my mirror and you passed me into this corner. Like people just thought that their shit didn't stink and yeah. very much like who's spending the most money, who's got the biggest dick, you know, who's got the deepest fucking pockets. Like yeah. And it was almost like they, because they were spending more money they just felt like they needed more respect and couldn't be beaten by a girl and just a really weird i don't know transition worse than what i ever expected to be honest i thought it would be fine yeah. but yeah i was very very wrong yeah Did that what,
0: fuck you up oh sorry mate yeah. what car were you in from the left porsche into the next series what what did they throw you into then?
2: So I was in a Ford to start with, and yep. then I moved into a Holden for my last year. Oh, okay. So yep. I was in a bit of everything, sort of yep. run a bit of everything.
0: Did you rather the Porsche or?
2: Oh, yeah, Porsche hands down, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yes. So. <laughs> are yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Was there any other women at that stage racing the V8, like the Supercars? Uh, I
2: was the only one full-time. I think there might have been one that sort of dabbled and did a round or two, but she didn't last very long.
1: Yeah, righto. And that, that would have fucked you up mentally, wouldn't it? Like oh, going into yep. that thing. Yeah, Especially because like that, you would have felt like when you were moving up, you were like, this is it. Mm. And then getting just fucking like smashed sort of thing, you know, yeah. it would have fucked you up a little bit. Especially because that was your only thing that you had at that time. It was right? my
2: life, yeah. I sort of say my development series start or like transition was the start of the end, That's it. The start of that was when it was starting to end because it was just it all turned to shit there mentally, physically and then everything else increased because I was in the supercar banner supercars obviously wanted to use the fact that there was a female running in supercars for the first time in like 14 years since Leanne Tander and all of a sudden it was, you know, I was just getting pumped with media, press and then that's when the pressure to to look good and the sponsorships and it was just really, it was full on And, and weekends away racing weren't just about racing anymore, you know, supercars. Mm. Oh, you need to go to this corporate box and do a 10-minute speech. You need to do a Q&A here at this corporate box. You've got a live interview with Channel 10 here. The studio are going to do an interview with you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Like, yeah. it was just full on. It was – the racing became 1% of what I was doing.
0: Yeah. 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 Parents fee, you got to be here. Far out.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: what sort of, like, if you don't mind me asking, what sort of, like, money are you talking at that stage? Like, if you're racing V8s and that and doing all that, what sort of thing are you on, like, salary sort of shit? So
2: I was making $0.00. and sense fucking hell <laughs> no one, no one believes me when I say that but I legitimately like hand on heart the whole time I raced for my whole career from when I was in Porsches to when I left I made zero dollars from motorsport I made absolutely nothing there was probably times where I could have made money from like the Bathurst programs we had surplus money but I chose not to make any money and I chose to put it into more tires or extra things I, I would rather had not take the 30 grand because we need we really needed it for The program set yourself up to the race. Yeah, yeah. all the
1: sponsor stuff was going into the car to actually race instead of money in your pocket.
2: Yeah, so I took no money whatsoever. Either did my manager. I found he probably towards the end we were missing money, so he was taking money that he shouldn't have been. But you know, we really we worked our asses off for years and we raised you know one and a half million dollars over three or four years. And and we really, worst case, he probably got 50 or 60 of it, but I got nothing from it. Nothing.
1: Wow, yeah. What the well, how are you like making money at that stage? Like, obviously leading on to the fan stuff soon. But, I mean, at that stage before you found that, what were you doing?
2: So I was doing driver training and other things for manufacturers and brands like Mercedes and Volkswagen and BMW. I was doing things on the side for them. Um, and then I was just working at a cafe and I was you know, I was living in Melbourne, so I worked at the clothing shop in Chadston at late night. Like, I was doing Fuck whatever sake. I could.
1: All yep. while having to do all that mm-hmm. and, do it. yeah, yep. that's full on, yep. Right? yep,
2: to survive. I'd have to often ask my manager for, like, 50 bucks just to – have 50 bucks in my bank account and a lot of my sponsors what they didn't realize too is that they would fly me out to do guest events or speaking or host things with them and they would pay for my flights and accommodation but I like literally couldn't even pay to go get dinner and I would be messaging my manager going hey can you just transfer me 50 bucks so i can just get some dinner and some breakfast tomorrow before i fly home because i had no money because i'm doing that i'm not working because i'm doing it for my sponsors i have to take time off all the jobs that i had Uh, to go work so i'm essentially away for work but not getting paid it was stressful yeah
1: is that the same sort of thing now because like you wouldn't think that looking from an outsider's point of view right if you were just watching someone on tv racing
0: cars you'd be like yeah they'd be on a couple of hundred a year well, you're very biased, tall poppy syndrome. We what? would have gone, ah, oh, he's living it up. Yeah. She, she's living it up.
2: Yeah, you think that. I get it all the time. I used to mm. get it all the time. And I used to go along with it. I remember one time someone said that to me when I was at Bathurst when I did my first 1000 and someone's like, oh, fuck, you're living the dream, aren't you? And I had like 52 cents in my bank account. And I was like, my manager, I was." Like, he gave me 100 bucks for the weekend so I could afford food. But other than that, like I was broke as fuck because the lead up to Bathurst I had to take like six months off work to to prepare for it so I was like broke as and someone's like fuck living the dream you're wasting the 1000 I'm like can't even afford to pay electricity bill in my apartment right now like what are you talking about yeah (laughs) that's wild yeah it's crazy but now not so much the thing is is motorsport is a rich man's sport anyone Mm. who knows motorsport it's not cheap like to go testing like I did a test day the other week, 20 grand to go for a test day just to cut a couple laps like it's not cheap um Mm. And it's, it's really a rich man's sports, the best way to explain it. So there are lots of kids who will come up through go-karting and stuff like, you know, I was and their parents mm. will pay them. My dad could never afford to make the jump into cars, but the kids who are affording to make the jump into cars, their dads are paying the bills. So the dads are, are affording to fund the kids' lifestyle. The kids are still living at home. The parents are just giving them, you know, 1000 bucks a month or whatever to live off. Or when the kids go away racing, the dad pays for their food and does all of that. But for me, I was had, had to move down to Melbourne to take it more seriously I didn't have support from my dad because he couldn't afford to do any of that stuff. He spent all his money for me on me go-karting, so he was down and out. He had no money left. So some kids, yes, there's a handful that have come through and, and done it tough, like similar situation to me, but most kids have, have personal backing is yeah, how I yeah. like to explain it, and then they're, they're not short of a cent.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's like a lot of industries as well, right? Like if the yes. money's
0: in the family, you can sort of afford yep. to do things, you know? Yep. So, yeah. Who was in your corner through all this adversity um that you like respected that you're glad you had through the hard times of all the bullshit through the racing career
2: in the beginning my manager was really good Good, and really helpful we got to a point where he took all my social medias off me so i didn't have social media because stuff started to get really toxic and i was getting death threats and all sorts of stuff so he took all of that off me so i didn't have social media um so i trusted him and his wife and you know, I really thought that they were in my corner and he was always giving me money if I needed help and he gave, he would get me fuel cards to top my car up with fuel and I got sponsored by Caltech so I had free fuel so that was all right. So, yeah, he was always really supportive and I always felt that he sort of... he. Could have done the bare minimum because he wasn't really obligated to, but he sort of took me under his wing as his daughter in a, in a way. Like he would, you know, if I couldn't afford to have food at home, he'd you know cook me a meal and his wife would drop off like home-cooked meals in Tupperware containers for me so I didn't yep. have to worry about that sort of stuff. So I would definitely say s- him in the beginning, him and his wife for sure. I actually didn't start – I stopped talking to my dad for a couple of years when I moved to Melbourne because he didn't want me to move to Melbourne um, and he didn't want to – Go as full on into the supercar dive as what I did. So we actually didn't talk for about two years. So I didn't have him in my corner through my whole supercar um, journey. And yep. I got the the uh, I fucking told you so chat when I texted him going I'm leaving Melbourne I'm not racing anymore Can I come back home talk yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah ma- mainly my manager but really no one else It was sort of him and him only uh, I didn't I didn't trust a lot of people I could see that stuff was like really toxic and yeah I really narrowed my circle of people towards the end definitely mm.
0: yeah, Do you feel right. like you um, loved it as much as go karting No. No. no, so that's when it took a bit of a change going, yep. this is something else. Yeah. Well, I suppose when you're not loving something, it's not worth copping the shit
1: anymore.
2: Yeah, Like exactly. When you
1: love something, you can say, well, fuck you, I don't care. And that's what happened it. in
2: go-karting. It yeah. almost thrived through the controversy. Yeah, you're like,
1: watch this fuck face. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Yeah. What about, though, like um, your pinnacle of your the V8s and that before you, before you stopped? Was it the all-female supercars team? Yeah, so cool the
2: 1000. The 1000 was sort of the the last thing basically where where obviously it was a great opportunity and I still say like if it you know probably made me where I am today and just put me on the map a little bit and gave me all the credibility but that was also this where it just was like
1: that why was the the end fuck sort do of I thing. do
2: this it's just yeah that's I will never be able to explain people I always say when people complain to me that they're busy I turn around and I'm like the Bathurst weekend for me to I'm like those days I was literally my time I was scheduled from The moment I woke up on the Tuesday of the Bathurst weekend to the Monday, I was from 6am to like 7pm, 8pm I had, I was scheduled. I was told when to eat, what to do, when when to eat and what to eat, meal three at this time. Like my life was scheduled, interviews, chats, talks, everything. I literally did not even have time to fucking like scratch my ass. I was so busy, like a robot. And it was like 1% of it was on track, obviously the racing stuff, but everything else was just like to a schedule. Like my manager would be like on my case, like you've got five minutes to walk to this here and then you've got three and a half minutes to walk to suite three. For no money. Yeah, for nothing. And I always say when someone complains about them being busy, I'm like, bitch, you have no idea what busy is. (laughs) I'm like, stop complaining. I'm like, I've eh? been busy before and I've been like to the, point where I can't breach my time schedule. Like, it Mm. was fucking hectic.
1: Was it a good uh, feeling, I suppose, when you finally went, fuck it, like, I'm I'm done? Like, it would have been full on and a big decision for you to make, but was it like a sort of a stress off the shoulders, or...?
2: Yeah, I think that came a little bit later when I started to want to go do things and I realised I didn't have to ask permission to do things. Yeah. Like I didn't have mm. to, to ask my manager, hey, I'm going to go away for the weekend back home to see my sister or my dad or I didn't have to ask to do anything and then when I got my social medias back, I could start to post things and post whatever I wanted and then yeah. I realised I'm like, oh, I can actually like do whatever the fuck I want. How good's this? And I could go to a BP fuel station instead of a Caltex and not get in trouble and yeah, I could do all the these weird things and I'm just like, oh wow, like I can, I've got no rules. Like I live this like lawless life now. And that's when it started to become like desirable to me that I made the right decision. In the beginning, it was a very mixed emotions and an emotional time because I didn't have a plan B. Mm. I dedicated my whole entire existence to motorsport. Like from the moment I was 12 to when I was 21 or 23, whenever I was, how old I was when I left, like nothing else had ever crossed my mind. I had no other interests in my world except motorsport. So it was this weird confusion of like, what the fuck do I do now? But then it was when I wanted to do something; I didn't have to ask anyone permission.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I suppose that transitions now onto like after you finish that, and you're sitting there going, "What do I do?" Like mm. with the only fans, is that when that just started coming out, or how did that idea spark in your head?
2: Yeah, so my fan base actually grew massively once I left motorsport because I started posting because I had my social medias back.
1: Interacting. uh, Interacting
2: more. So people were messaging me. I could comment back to people. I found that my OG fans stayed around who supported me and just liked me for me. And all of a sudden I would, like, post that I've gone to the beach and post a photo at the beach of myself, which my manager would have never have let me done in a million years. None of my posts didn't have branding of some description. Like, everything was just, like, fully marketed and properly done and all of a sudden people are like, oh, she's posted a story and it's actually her holding the phone not someone holding a pre-recorded video and posting a video of me that's pre-recorded and like just looks fake and not real and um, my my following went through the roof I think I went from like 30,000 to 50 or 60,000 in a couple of months after Mm. I left motorsport and I've gone holy shit, like I thought I'd lose all these fans and everyone kept messaging me when are you getting back into motorsport, you know, we miss you or what are you doing now, like, you know, where can I, I want a signed poster and people just kept staying in contact and I started posting more and more of myself so in bikinis and yeah. just like not any intention but just like my last what I was doing I was in the pool I was at the beach I was living my best life I had nothing else yeah. to fucking do I wasn't racing cars anymore yeah. and then people started obviously interacting with that a lot more and I was getting messages going oh you should be putting this on Instagram you should be selling this on OnlyFans and yeah I was like, what's this OnlyFans people talk about? And I had a girlfriend who was on it and I messaged her and I was like, can I just have a look at yours and see what you're posting on there? (laughs) And saw hers and she wasn't doing anything crazy. She was just posting bikini photos and lingerie photos. I was like, fuck, I can do this, done. Started it up like two days later.
1: Yeah, right. Mm. Was it a thing that you had to go, like a thought in your head to go, right? Oh like later on in life, do you have to think about ramifications or were well, then were you like, oh, I'm not going to post anything too crazy or the thoughts in your head, you know? Because I suppose it's one of those things that as long as you're happy with it and your conscience is clear, who gives a fuck what anyone else thinks? That's what I
0: saying, run yeah,
1: your own race. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Is that yep. what your thoughts were? Were you just like, well, if I'm happy with it, fuck what everyone else reckons?
2: The intentions, if you told me when I started OnlyFans that I would have – be to be brave enough to post photos of myself like I do now I would have thought there's absolutely no way I spent years racing being forced to be conservative to not show emotion to be a strong female to not show too much skin I was forced down this prim and proper conservative wh- like way always wear long pants never wear a skirt or a dress to the racetrack just in case like don't show your bra strap if your shirt's too tight because your bra showing like force fed that shit for yeah, years right. so yeah. if you told me that i was posting what i'm posting now i'd be like absolutely no way that's disgusting like oh imagine that like how gross yeah. um it was never the intention and, and purely just because it's all i knew and i was just so scared of you know god forbid if i have like a bra strap showing and that's just my my mentality and yeah. i think when i started posting bikini photos and stuff and when i started my only fans it just blew off blew yeah. up and i was just like whoa. This is pretty good, eh? The money is actually not that bad. (laughs) I might show a little bit more and earn a bit more money. And Mm. it just progressed from there. But absolutely never the intention. And it was never how I was brought up to be either. I was never never told to do anything like that. I was always advised very strongly to do the complete opposite.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Was it like, do you reckon there's any sort of like the rebelling against? Like I suppose brought up like that and then told, force-fed your whole racing career. Is it you now saying, well, fuck you?
2: Yeah, I can do Uh, what I want now. I'm going to do more than show a brass strap. Fuck you and get yeah, paid yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely the, the moment in time. And it wasn't straight away. It took a couple months to realise, you know, once my page started growing and, and being quite successful, like, that's when it was sort of like, oh, if I can do whatever I want and yeah. I'm going to get money doing it. So I'm yeah. do it.
0: When was that divot when they didn't <laughs> know what they were going to do with OnlyFans? Remember they were going to try, say... Oh, no nudity or no sexual content.
2: Yeah, my earnings went up that month. So I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's freaking out thinking they're not going to see anything anymore. Yeah, so and I you made bank it. that yeah, month. Yeah, it was a good month for me. Yeah. They didn't do anything with it. I think that was more just for legal. I think OnlyFans were having troubles with other countries. Oh, and yeah. I think there's a lot of background stuff to yeah. make, obviously, you know, buying pornography legit. And I think there was lots of issues with girls doing stuff in public and the, the oh, right, you know, right. selling illegal videos that are breaking laws. And there was all sorts of issues. So I think they were just trying to resolve that.
1: How did your uh, how your family and friends take it? Like fr- at the start, sort of thing, you know.
2: Yeah, fine. Well, obviously, I had a few girlfriends that were already on it because they were the ones encouraging me to do it, so that yep. was sweet with it. Um, and then the first night, so I started it that night. I started my OnlyFans um, in uh, in the afternoon. I sort of said, like, I'm going to launch it at 7 p.m. and sort of launched it at 7 p.m. and my fans were sort of flowing in and sort of went to bed and woke up in the next morning and I had, like, $24,000 U.S. in the bank account. Fuck. And I've hell. gone, Phew. I'm like, that's a lot of money. Yep. What am I going to do with it? And then, sure enough, as that day went on, It was just climbing and climbing and climbing. And I'm like, fucking hell, this is a lot of money. And so I was living with dad at the time. I had just moved back from Melbourne after the crash of my motorsport career. And I was like to dad, I was like, I've got something to tell you. He's like, yeah, he had no idea about OnlyFans, so I wasn't even worried. He wouldn't have had a clue. Mm. And I'm like, I did this thing last night. And I'm like, I, s- I made this page, like Instagram. Like I tried to sell it to him. Like yeah, yeah. I'm like, I put a couple of bikini photos up there. And I said, it says that I have $24,000 US in my wallet. And dad's like, what? And I'm like, says, it says it's legit. And then it said, you gotta wait seven days for it to stop from being pending. And dad's like, well, come back to me in seven days and we'll see if it's real. In that time, I had obviously learned a lot more money. I had like eighty thousand dollars in my fucking wallet. US. And yeah, and I'm like, to Dad, I'm like, uh, it's fucking real. And Dad's like, wait, he's like, just do a small transfer of like a thousand bucks, and sure oh, yeah. enough, thousand dollars US hits my so 1500 $1, bucks hit my bank account, and Dad's like, holy fuck, he's like, this is a problem. He's like, you need, you can't drop that in your bank account just yet. Like, we need to fucking, you need to go start a company. Definitely being an this. accountant. Yeah, being an accountant. He's like, Business don't man fucking transfer on. that. I'm like, I 80 grand. I'm fucking rich, bitch. I'm yeah, out of here. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, don't fucking touch that money. So he's like in full freak out mode because he's like, the second you earn that, he's like, you, the implications are high. So it went straight from fuck what you're selling on OnlyFans. You've got all this money that you need to figure out what to do with and. It quickly became a, a business that he helped me set up and run quite quickly.
0: And then uh, what we've discovered, like the WA Ben form from US tax dollars into Australian. Was there any of that with OnlyFans, or just releases into Australian dollars? It releases
2: into Australia. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So they tra- they transfer, or I transfer myself from the app into USD, and then that gets converted into Oz by the time it hits my bank account. Which yeah. is in COVID was great because I was doubling
1: the money. How did, how did you <laughs> handle all that? Money at once sort of thing, I suppose, going from the racing thing, starting OnlyFans and then all of a sudden having all this money there. We're just like fucking hell and what, just looked at that as a business now and go, right, how do I make the most of it sort of thing?
2: Yeah, well, the first thing I did was paid off my afterpay account (laughs) because I was broke and couldn't pay for anything up front. I had a car on finance, so I paid that off and then I bought a house. Yep. So that was the the first. Is the house
0: you're in now? No. No. No,
2: no, that was an investment property that I bought. So they were the first things that I did. And then I thought my money would be run out by then, but it kept rolling in and then it was like, oh, fuck, okay, we've got to keep making sure that I'm on top of it. But they were like the first three things that I did. When the money came in, I – didn't look at it as money, I just looked at it as a a chance to get rid of the shit yeah. that I had going on, pay my car off and then it was, I still had a little bit of money so then I was like, fuck, I'm going to buy a house then. I want to buy a house, I'm going to buy yeah. a house. So, that was sort of like the three things that I, and then I, in my mind I thought, oh, that'll be all my money gone and OnlyFans will turn to shit and no one want to subscribe anymore and I thought it would all be over then. So, that was sort of like the three things that I needed to get done. Mm. Um, but yeah, obviously, my OnlyFans kept going well so I didn't have to worry about it anymore.
0: Yeah, that was the transition to actually having to chat back to these people?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's... I will say in the beginning I actually loved it because I had a lot of like race fans and it was the first time since I left motorsport I was allowed to communicate with a lot of, with a lot of my fans. Instagram and stuff was hard. It wasn't real. You know, you're know. you replying to someone in the comments and whatever else. So it was really cool because people would message me and go, oh, I saw you back in 2014 at Townsville and here's a photo of us. And people oh. were reaching out to me and communicating with me because I had left the motorsport scene but they still wanted to talk to me. So it was really cool in that aspect. But when my page blew up, it was so difficult. When I had like the bulk of my fans and the bulk of my people on my page, hundreds and hundreds of messages a day. I was spending like 100 hours a week on OnlyFans. Like yeah. I would wake up in the morning, <clears throat> not leave bed until 12 and just spend like six, seven hours messaging, go have lunch, go sit down on the couch and I'd just message people. Like it was
1: – Because that's the idea, right? Like you've got to be engaging and like make oh, yeah. them feel like it's worth their money to mm-hmm. be on there, right?
2: Absolutely. So what
1: would you be like? How many videos or photos and that would you do a week and then how many hours – it'd be mostly messaging, right?
2: Messaging was huge. The content you can schedule and so sort of once I was taking stuff at home and, and doing stuff around the house but once I sort of upped my game a little bit my page was really like popping off, I was really getting photo shoots done and I would dedicate like a week to doing content and then that would pretty much be like my whole month's worth of stuff so then yeah. I would pretty much schedule all of that and get that done. Um, but the hardest thing is yeah, people can message you and while you sell locked content, people would go, oh, hey, I saw this video then I really want it and they'll tip you money and then you've actually got to go back and send it. So there's even though you try and minimise and be organised, you still can't be organised and Mm. you still got to communicate with people. But I would be posting... I still do. I I still sort of do the same thing. I think everyone's pretty similar now, all the girls. There's a bit of a flow to OnlyFans. People have figured out how it works. But I'll do two locked messages, which is like unlocking content, and then I'll do two... Like DMs and then those DMs are to sort of get people, I'll send a picture and be like, Hey, how's your day going? And then I'll figure out who's on, we'll chat, I'll text with them, I'll message them, try and make them tip me and give me more money. Yeah. <laughs> give them something in return kind of thing. Or if yeah. they're at work, I'll be like, you know, I can entertain you for fifty bucks. Yeah. I'll do stuff like that. So I what?
0: definitely reckon it's um safer than porn, obviously. Mm. The industry. You get to control everything. You can be in your own house or in a villa in Bali.
2: Yep. Hundred percent. You can choose your location. You're not in.
0: You're not in a casting couch in yeah. L.A. You with who knows people. who.
2: Absolutely. Or fake taxi. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 That's right.
2: And you don't like a lot of porn stuff. You hear it all the time. And if you see anything about porn stars and other podcasts that talk about porn, you know they just get called up and be like, Hey, you've got to do an anal scene tomorrow. And it's just like this fucking ten foot. Six black guy with a twelve inch cog. Yeah, go that's to, right. And she's got no choice in it because you already signed the contract and you got to do it. So yeah, you it eliminates that completely, and you, you actually do things that you love doing. And I think that's why I keep doing it. I fucking love it. It's the best, best yeah. thing ever. How I'll long, do it until the day I die.
1: How long have you been doing it for now?
2: It'll be three years, twenty nineteen. yeah, is when I started November twenty nineteen. So yep. I don't know, I've lost count. Four years this November, I think. What's yeah. the
1: most hectic months you've had? Um, the
2: most hectic month and uh, the, my best month ever was half a mil.
1: Holy fuck! Mm. That's not that, that, that big though compared out. to other girls. But yeah, that's yeah, still
0: good. Fuck yeah, yeah. That's pretty good month. I've had
2: some some pre- consistently pretty good months. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. When was the thing where you got to go was oh,
2: US too? By the way, US. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: just add that little fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this double almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well. Obviously, will you travel now and go find new content, places to shoot content?
2: Yeah, so that's what I, that's basically like what you do now. I, yeah, yep. before I was back into racing, that's was my job. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go away for a week to Hammo or go over to Perth and meet up with other girls and make content with them. And I just travelled and, and made content and paid my trips off and just yeah. did it. So you're all
0: still filming yourselves or you you're starting to professional, get people in?
2: You can get people to do it, but I, I you personally can nail it. Yep. my I know my fans, they love the pre recorded like the phone raw, stuff, yeah. the raw stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's like when you're doing it with another girl, like they're holding the phone and then you have the video of you swapping the phone and you capture that like Both nothing's moments. edited and they mm. love it. They love that shit. And I and I like it too. I I feel like it's just real. And it's like no one can complain about it being fake or like set up and it's just it is what it is. It's recorded on the phone, it's recorded on the GoPro yeah. and it is like real shit. Like and that's what
1: you that, get. Do you do stuff like solo with chicks, blokes, like what's your Yeah, main everything. Thing? Yep. everything. Yep. Everything.
2: Yeah. But my my own stuff, my personal stuff is my best sellers. Yeah. Yeah. and I think that's why I've just got a really good fan base of people who like me from motorsport and I have that strong personal following. Like to this day, all these years later, my most requested videos are my own videos. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's funny, like as we've gone through this show, all these weapons call in, and we have fucking heard about some of the weirdest fucking shit that <laughs> people are into. Like, Nothing will surprise this me. This bloke the other day said that there was a um, adult worker that was down on the cross, and this bloke used to come in with a briefcase. He had a toy train in it. It used to steam around. He used to get this chick to shit in it, and he used to d- kneel down and sniff it on the way past. <laughs> So that was one fucking one that just absolutely blew my head off. That folded me. That fucking... I was like, wow. I would not have ever guessed that. Um, what was another strange one that we were talking about the other day? Oh, there's heaps. Oh. There was two of them, most recent. But, like, pretty much what... Because you get these messages. What's some of the fucking craziest, weirdest shit that you've got asked to do or whatever?
2: Yeah, so I've definitely heard it all. Yeah, I've yeah. got it all. I've yeah. uh, Like, it's... I've been asked to shit. I've been asked to piss. I've been asked to shit in a cup and send it to someone. I've been asked for it all, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. all. I've been asked. The one that I don't get often that there was one that was weird is I remember I jinxed myself because I was talking to my girlfriend. I'm like, no one asks about period stuff.
0: Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah, because it's
2: like blood and maybe it's a bit. Mm. But then sure enough, someone asked me if I could send like used tampons to him. So oh, I was like,
0: oh my God. Any bath water?
2: No, bath water, no. I've asked for farts, armpit stuff, very <laughs> common.
0: How yep. do you cup up a fart? <laughs> oh, I, I guess, know. I'm yeah. like,
2: I can't just be on standby. for yeah. What's well, so I was supposed to charge
0: it. me for this? Yeah, yeah. just but have yeah. a jar on hand. Oh, sorry.
2: It's and I feel bad too because it's so easy to just send a jar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just don't do it because it's just, don't just do like it, that's yeah, right. yeah. Because I know other girls do, but um, the uh, like, there's some that are just like so not like weird, but they're common. They're not weird anymore. So like yeah. armpit ones, like guys love womps photos of my armpits and. Me licking my armpits Like those ones Are just like They're so normal to me now It's just like Fucking sweet Well I suppose
1: That'd be easy for you though Right Like if it's not a thing That turns you on You're like Okay I'll lick my armpit
2: Yeah so There's yeah There's awkward and weird ones That when you first hear about it You're like what the fuck But now I'm like Oh armpit guy Sweet he's gonna pay Heaps of money And (laughs) I can do that easy Yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: Actually that was the other one This bloke Wanted the chick To call him His parents name Oh that's right right, Yeah so that's what That was gonna be my one
2: So my weirdest request of all time, and my most memorable one, which I still can't believe I did it, but I did it. It was, <laughs> it's not actually that bad, like gross or anything, but it's just thinking about how the guy will be using this video is what I try not to think about at night time because yeah. it'll haunt me forever. So he wanted me, he sent me a photo of his cock and his dad's cock.
0: Oh, ho, ho, ho. Anyway. was it Father's Day?
2: <laughs> and he wanted me to suction cap a dildo to a wall, pretend that I was sucking his dad's cock and humiliate him about how his dad's cock was better than his cock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I want to meet this bloke. Was he from Tasmania? No, he's from
2: the UK, <laughs> actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, so he paid me $450 for a two-minute video for me to do that.
1: Wow. Yeah. Far out. Oh, must be off his dad. It's
0: just so when you think
2: about it, like, I did it, but that's the one that I don't want to get too deep and no. thought about. No. It's a bit... I don't, but I don't let's do it. <laughs> do you
0: reckon the dad fucked his girlfriend?
2: I don't know. Why does he have a photo of his dad's cock? It's weird. Yeah, yeah. that's even... <laughs> <nice>. <laughs>
1: hey, Dad, can you just send us a, you know, quick one of your cock?
2: And it was two, like, you could tell it was two cocks. And it was, like, one was a little, like, he, he was shaved, the the guy. He was, yeah, like, this yeah. is mine. And the um, other one was, like, bushy and grey hairs and just, like, an old-looking dick. So, yeah, it was wow. it was definitely two cocks and believable that it was his dad's for sure. And he told me his dad's name. And I think, I can't even remember, it was, like, Earl or something really weird. Yeah. And I had to, like, moan his dad's name and be, like, oh, your dick sucks. yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah, yeah. full <laughs> humiliate him and be, like, Earl's <laughs> is so much better. Yeah, yeah it just it was. Fucking weird, but wow. I did it.
1: That's crazy, eh? And yeah. what, like, so I can like be like, entertained with this Well, like Obviously, <laughs> that yeah, David over it. Yeah. But like, obviously, that stuff, like, like you said, you did that, and you're like, yeah, I don't want to dive into too much humiliation, dad and son shit. Yeah, but like, what? Where? Would, where do you go? Right, this is where I draw the line, sort of thing. You know,
2: I I draw the line at shit.
1: Yeah. Period. Mm.
2: Poo, vomit, play. Um, that sort of stuff is like where I draw the line. Um, that for me, like physical, like actual thing, like, just yeah, like that's right. playing around in it and doing it, yes. you know, that's, that's where I draw the line. Yeah. Other stuff. It's not that bad. Cause when you think about the requests that I do do like, and people like fisting and stuff like that, don't do no go for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I get requests, like when people go, Oh, can you go pee outside and pee on a rock? I'm like. That seems relatively easy in regards to getting fisted up the asshole. Yeah. Yeah. so I will take three hundred dollars to go piss on a rock for you because. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That is easy I'll do it on the side of the road anyway.
2: No problem. Easy, not a problem. I don't have a problem with pissing in places. So for me, that's like no problem. And then to do the humiliation with the dad and the son, I'm like the thing that that I see, I'm like there could be a lot worse things that I have to do. This is actually not not too bad. The humiliation stuff was really hard for me to get involved with in the beginning. But my fans were great that I actually just asked them, hey, I'm new to this, tell me what you want write me a script, tell me what you want to hear or tell me like a guideline so I know what to say because some guys want just to be humiliated about like, you know, their dick size, but Mm. other guys want to be told that they're a fucking piece of shit and their fucking mum hates them and that's why their parents, like they want like the full on. So everyone's a bit different. So once I've sort of learnt that there's different levels of, being mean to people and how they Mm. get turned on by it Um, and I just say like you know let me know what you want tell me what you want to hear and I can do it and I feel a bit more comfortable because when I sort of did humiliation videos in the beginning I stopped doing them because I was doing them to some guys but I wasn't quite giving them what they wanted and they actually like you're being mean to someone right and and you're you're saying something that they don't want to hear so they just get turned off by it so it's a bit of a fine line but now I actually quite enjoy it
0: what do you what do you think back to one of the um, go kart
2: yeah, um, dads? Dick yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's the attitude you bring. Yeah, yeah. That's what I all got. Yeah. What about this dick shaman? Like, run through that because they actually people will send a dick and they want you to yeah rate it. Yeah, I so How's I do.
2: I do. I do cock ratings. Or yeah. like cock ratings is just like a <laughs> constant. Five bucks, send me a pic, and I'll tell you what I think. Like yeah, it's just yep. that that easy. But then there's um, small dick or small penis humiliation. Yeah. The hard thing with that is that. Guys are so annoying because some guys actually have like decent yeah, dicks yeah. and they want a small dick humiliation. I'm like, are you, being, are you actually being serious because you don't have a small dick? And they're like, I've got a small dick. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like,
0: Is it sort of that, uh, yeah. Rank oh, yeah? factory? They think, just want yeah, the thing being yeah. like, oh, yeah. But they like, want yeah, me to say, say oh, you, you don't have it. a small dick, yeah. but
2: I pay extra for small dick humiliations. You have to pay me extra. So they pay me extra. If you just got a cock rating, it's like five bucks. But they're paying me like $20, $30 for a humiliation. And I'm like, I can't actually humiliate you because you've got a decent size dick like what are you doing and they're like i just want you to tell me that it's small i'm like it doesn't yeah. make any sense in my brain um and then you have to tell them that it's small and then you don't really mean it and it's sort of just like you feel bad because now you're doing something that you don't want to do and it's just a weird concept and i hate when guys do it but the small dick stuff um it's 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 I don't know if you've seen any of the photos, but fuck, I've got some fucking small dicks in my phone. Yeah. <laughs>
0: some of no, them are. No, I'll be right. I'll be good. Yeah, yeah not <laughs> <Some> my captain.
2: <laughs> some of them, it's, re- it's actually really quite sad. Like, it's some guys. But like, surely
0: they could do something about that.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I would love to know. that there, there's
0: Six-inch tongue and breathe through their ears. That's, that's, that's right.
2: <laughs> some of them are, like, smaller than my thumb. Like mm. it's a real like it's you feel really. But is that sad. is
0: that hard or is that just? I think
2: I've i yeah I've I've definitely got a screenshot of one in my phone hard and it's that big yeah. Yeah
0: right. Yeah, oh.
2: and it's really sad and you feel bad for them and because they want you to be mean about it and it's just like oh I feel bad for you that you've like, got actually you really do have like a micro penis. But it might
0: be a bit like the fat shame and they'll they'll go get something done about it. Yeah Well you maybe. can't really but yeah. if you're fat you can fucking lose yeah. weight.
2: Yeah, I don't think you can just grow a dick.
0: Nah. <laughs> those, those dick, dick pills paint? aren't real, brother. Nah, yeah. <laughs> no, <no>, they aren't. They <laughs> reckon you gotta stretch it. It's uh, not like
2: those grower boyfriends that you just put him in a glass <laughs> of water overnight. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so Love
1: with that. the like with the pissing on a rock, getting into Earl about his son, like th- this sort of stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. How on do yeah. you
1: like we talked about it earlier when you were like taking lingerie and we talked about maybe those videos coming back later on? Now like you're doing this sort of stuff. Do you ever think about that or are you just like, sweet, like, and how does the OnlyFan system work as in is there any sort of thing that can stop people from doing stuff or you just accept that, you know, someone might screen record shit and send it or. Oh,
2: yeah, my leak stuff is what made me rich. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah that's, so
1: that's what that's what gets people to subscribe because they've seen the leak stuff and they're like, oh, that's what it yep. is. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, it doesn't
2: I try to I try to the stuff I get removed is all my old stuff. Like before I had work and stuff done. I'm like, fucking stop leaking this stuff. Leak the good shit. Yeah. Leak the new stuff. Like, don't leak it when I had a gut and a double chin. But anyway, yeah. the, the leak stuff I'm not worried about. But one thing that the, people have asked me this all the time, what what do you think about when it gets out there? One thing that OnlyFans has taught me that I'll be forever grateful for is and I think being in motorsport. Motorsport is very homophobic, it's very, you know, blokey blokeys mm. and it's, you know, someone's if someone's gay, it's like, you know, the hell's gonna freeze over because it's they're just very like that. And I myself got trapped into it where you think a certain way about a certain person because that's the reflection of the people that you're around. Yeah. And OnlyFans made me realise through my fans that there are so many people out there. That have so many different things and so many fetishes, interests, whatever it may be. It doesn't mean that they're weird or different. It's just that's just who they are. Yeah, sure, like you know, eating shit or doing something like that's probably weird. But mm. it's made me the average person has their little something, has their little thing, and that might be paying for my porn and my videos that they wank over at work, and that's just like totally fine. Yep. And I feel like it's made me more accepting of of the general average male and person but just people in general so I feel like I will never be I feel say, say I'm not doing a service but I feel like I'm fulfilling some of these things for these guys like this guy who has this fetish with his dad or whatever yeah you know he's got some thing inside of him that made him want to pay four hundred and fifty dollars us to do and I did it for him and it's probably fixed this little thing that he probably feels really insecure about and I've made him feel normal for doing it. I don't feel – like, yes, it's weird, but at yeah. the same time, I feel good about the fact that he's probably had this thing for years maybe. You don't know how it stemmed or what's happened. Fucked, you know, Dad's fucked the girlfriend or something. Yeah. You don't know what's yeah. – and it's probably solved or resolved an issue for him. And, and he, he can probably, move on. And he probably feels great about it. So I don't think – if that video ever came out or even talking about it, I don't feel embarrassed or weird by it because yeah. I feel like I've done something to help someone. Yeah. And I feel like all of my fans have this little something and people in general have their outlets. And if people are my only fans obviously have it through the content and the porn side of things, which, you know, a lot of men do anyway. Um, and it's just how they, how they're getting what they need to get to fix their, whatever it is, their fetish or whatever it is that they need in themselves yeah. to feel better. And, I don't. I don't know. I don't think I'd regret anything. to Yeah, be well,
1: good on you. Because like we said before, that like run your own race. That's our fucking slogan that we use. Yep. And um, like I said before, for me personally, what I'd do in me life, like I'll never be doing that. No fucking pay for it. But I mean, <laughs> money talks. But I, yeah. but I and mean, you'd be like,
2: surprised. Trust me, there's a something for everyone. Yeah. But, I, but I mean,
1: like as long as I have a clear conscience about what I'm doing, then it fucking, I'm sweet. And yep. I suppose that's all that matters, right? Yep. Like as long as and you're I feel happy.
2: like that's something that came very obvious in the beginning for me is that people were wanting something all these customs and all these fetishes were coming through and I'm just I actually felt bad in the beginning that guys were having to pay me online because they had a foot fetish or they wanted to see you know something like my girlfriend and I have like photos of us like sucking each other's toes and doing stuff and I'm like how sad that this guy's probably got a girlfriend and he probably can't share his desires to the fact that he just wants to suck on her toes so badly that he's having to pay for videos of me sucking on my toes or another girl sucking on my toes to get that fixed. Like, he probably wants nothing more than his missus or a girl that he's with or seeing to fucking play with her toes, but he's probably too shy to to say something. So it became very obvious to me that I felt not bad for them, but I was happy that I was giving them something that they obviously weren't able to get anywhere else. It must
1: be so many people. Like, if you look at ten people in a room... I wonder how many of them are into something fucking weird. Like us, weird. all of
2: us in here. Yeah. Right that's,
1: you reckon you know, you, like you you're a good judge of character after all this? No, like,
2: you fucking have no idea. No idea. Which, just, that's no. what I was getting at. That's
1: no. the craziest fucking thing. You might see the most everyday Joe there and he's into fucking shitting on a glass table. Yeah, it's like, just, just, you got no it's fucking, fucking idea.
0: fucking wild. Yeah. We should no all idea. have mics on and uh, have a play a game. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> There's no glass tables here, Joe. <laughs> <No>. yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, you can't tell, man. Like, you... And then I have guys on my OnlyFans and I'll talk to them for ages, right? And they'll spend a little bit of money here and there and then all of a sudden they'll come out and they'll ask for something and I'm like, fuck, they'll unlock like certain videos and then all of a sudden they'll ask for another thing and I'm like, "Whoa! I didn't see that coming. Like didn't think that you're into that or didn't think you'd want that kind of custom or, yeah, you can never pick it, never, never pick it. Fuck,
0: that's wild. eh? Can you break down the foot thing for us? Do you think you know? Yeah. Because we got no idea.
2: Yeah, so I have a very good fan that comes and goes from my page but he's probably one of like, my OG fans who has a foot fetish and I asked him, I was getting a lot of foot people in the beginning and I asked him straight up. I had good rapport with him. Like he was, I messaged him every day. Like he was, yep. you know, I was almost like a friend because you talk to these guys so much yeah. You know about their job and everything. And um, he said, you know, where are you going today? What are you doing? I said, going to the shops, this, this, this. He's like, cool. When you come home from the gym, can you take a video of you taking your shoes off? I said, yep, no worries. And then I asked him, and I was like, you know, what is it with feet and shoes? And he said, it all started when he was a kid. This is his story. So it mm. might not be the same for everyone. But he said he was at school and he had a sub teacher, like someone who came in when the teachers were sick, and she always used to have shoes that had open toes and her toenails always matched her shoe colour. So it became a bit of a running joke with all the boys and all the girls in the class, like everyone's going to guess what colour toenail and shoe she was going to wear to school. So he became fixated with thinking about her toenails and her shoes and he knew the next day if she was going to be the teacher, he'd be at home thinking about, all he could think about is, I wonder what... Toe, toenail colour she's going to have and what shoe colour she's going to have on tomorrow. Then he got his first girlfriend at 13 or 14 or 15 and he would ask her to paint her toenails. And then it just became like this thing that he grew into being obsessed with girls' feet because of a teacher in school when he was like a teenager. Boy, yeah. Now it's like a full-blown thing that he just gets off on. And he's, he used to love giving me money and be like, hey, Renee, can you go paint your toenails red this week? And like that was his thing. Like He just loved mm. girls who had coloured toenails and then shoes. And if the shoes matched the toenails, it was like the ultimate thing for him. And that's how his foot fetish started. And then obviously, as he got older and hornier, <laughs> it yeah. got more and more into it and foot jobs and all the rest of it. But that's how it started for him in particular. And I would assume it might be the same for people. They just – all mm. of a sudden you see someone – I know a few guys. I always say, I always joke, if i you know speaking to guys and talking to guys and they'll ask me what shoe size I am, dead giveaway is a foot guy. True. Yeah, dead giveaway. Yeah, I'm like right. dead giveaway because obviously on OnlyFans and talking to other girls, if a guy is like getting to know you or even on my OnlyFans and they ask you what shoe size –
1: well, guy. it makes sense. I don't yeah, think yeah. I've ever fucking asked that ever. Yeah. When starting to talk. I wonder to, if know. they
0: work at like Rebel Sports and fucking New Balance yeah. and Nike. Yeah. Yeah. On the foot guy.
2: Yeah. The foot, but you realise <laughs> Oh, through, Foot Locker.
0: Right. Oh, we got a flat foot today.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to think about this all night tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dream the foot job. Thing, the foot thing is, it's. I think it's different for everybody, but I think it's something that stems from young ages in most guys.
1: Yeah. And do you think it's going to be something like this? This thing. Moving forward for you, like, are you you're single now? Are you? Yep. Yeah. So, are you looking to like, are you want to stay single while you're hooking in and making the money while you are now, or are you sort of like just open to? Getting in a relationship, because I suppose it'd be a pretty hard thing, I reckon, for a bloke to come to terms with.
2: Yeah, the hardest thing for me is obviously when I was racing, guys were intimidated by that because I knew more about cars than them and could drive better than them, and, you know, that was intimidating. And now it's like I'm also well-known, my profile's grown, I'm on OnlyFans, and I'm obviously quite successful. So, yeah, it's very hard. But, I don't know, I like being in relationships. I'm someone to, when I find someone, I'm in a relationship. I'm very loyal. I'm a Capricorn, so I'm just, like, through and through. So, but I don't know... I personally don't imagine myself ever being married. I don't mm. think that – I don't think I'm the type of person that some guy walks up to and be like, I want to marry you one day. Yeah. It's like yeah. – I don't think that I'm that type of girl. I'm just too out there and I'm just yeah. – yeah, I'm just not that kind of wife you up and, you know, play happy families and just yeah. not that kind of girl. So I don't really think about it. But I've, I do get in relationships and I can hold relationships. I like being in them. But at the same time, it's just a very – it's a very hard thing. Being a successful female in this day and age is like – Worse than being, I think personally being worse than what a successful male was a couple of years ago. Just it's make tough. hay
1: while the fucking sun shines out yep. at the moment that's for it. you.
2: That's Do it. Do you, you reckon that's
1: you're then. attracted to
0: um, someone that hasn't got a profile? Yes. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I like nobody's. Yeah.
0: yeah, instead just of like so, someone. Then there's drama straight. Well, not yeah. drama, but there's.
2: Yep. I just like average guys, normal guys who have jobs and go to work and. Do all that sort of stuff, just like a normal human, and yeah. it's and I think it makes them. I feel like too, because if I'm away all the time, and if I'm traveling, and if I'm making money, and I'm doing these things, it's they're supportive of it because you know they've just got a normal job, and it's exciting for them. And I feel like if I was with someone who's away all the time, it's sort of just like tension and friction, and oh well, I'm going to be here, and oh I'm going to be there, and it's just. They're focused on themselves and they're not really excited for you being away because they're being away and if they're doing sport or other jobs where they have to travel all the time, it's sort yeah. of it's not the same where I feel like normal guys, if I'm going away racing or to do content, it's like, oh, I'm so excited for you, like have the best time And yeah. it's just easier to travel and to be away a lot more and to do my thing if I'm in a relationship to just have someone who appreciates what I'm doing and is just as excited about it as I am.
1: Yeah. Mm. And I yeah. suppose blending the two worlds together now. Mm. Saw the car that was wrapped in the like the OnlyFans stuff. Yep. Is that something that now you're looking at doing, like getting back into? Maybe not like the full time thing, but just dabbling in racing and that, and mixing it with your OnlyFans as a sponsor thing, or what's the Yeah, go so there? I'm
2: racing again now. So yeah, I am cool. racing. So well, the it started- Mo-
1: Moto Chrome?
2: Monochrome GT, Monochrome, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So I'm back in in the GT series this year. So start at the start of the year. So I'll do the full series. I just went and did a GT four round on the weekend, actually. So I came nice. back Monday. Um, yeah, just doing it just for fun. I have OnlyFans on board, so they're actually my major sponsor. A lot How of good people, is that? A lot of people think that I'm paying for my drive and it just stuck OnlyFans stickers on the side of it, but they're my they're my major sponsor. Yeah, that's
0: that's good because coming back into it sponsors would be a little bit iffy wouldn't they
2: yeah <laughs> yeah, so
0: you, to, to nail OnlyFans how good's that
2: yeah it was uh, it was funny because obviously I spoke to a few people in OnlyFans and they'd seen all the articles and they sort of knew of me and seen the story so I think they saw that it was a big like fuck you to everybody else so yeah. I think they saw the storyline and they saw how good it was and, and the writing was on the wall it was pretty mm. it was pretty easy for them to say yes
1: only yeah. problem the blokes live at the track are going too fucking quick to know what it is
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> how's the car feel this new car Yes,
2: yeah, so, I mean an Audi at the moment, Audi R8. Um, it's awesome. It's a great car. So I'm in an older car, so I'm not in. There's a few different categories in the in the okay. overall category that I'm running, so it's, it can be a bit confusing if you're not a motorsport fan as such. Um, but I'm in an older car, so I'm in the Trophy Series. So my car's about 10 years old. Reason why we just bought an older car and just thought we'll just ease into it, return back. I don't need to be in a new car. Obviously, wouldn't have been very competitive because I didn't have the experience. I hadn't been in a car for six years. So um, yeah, just chilling at the moment. But no, things are going really well. Only fans are happy. I'm actually doing really well in the trophy series and leading the championship at the moment. So yeah, it's sort of like, oh shit, we're actually doing really good and we're talking about next year and what we're gonna do next year and trying to get in a new car. And, you know, I just planned on doing one year return and now yeah. we're looking at fucking year year two, three and four. So better
1: headspace. Like oh, as yeah. in coming into this now, like Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's nice it's nice to race A not having to worry about budget because yeah. obviously that's that used to be a, a major problem. So I don't have to worry about dollars and cents anymore and crunching numbers to see if I can afford to put it in a wall or not each round. Um And so that's that's the main thing. It's like on the weekend I was like rubbing doors and spun out and hitting people and Mark, the team owner, he's like, oh, you did a fucking bumper. And I was like, oh, it's all right. I'm like, we can fix it. Don't worry about it. And yeah. he's just like, oh, yeah, I know. He's like, still broke my bumper. And I'm like, oh, she'll be right. But normally they'd be like, oh, fuck, like – you know, I'd be mm, stressed stress out, out for days about having something broken on the car because it was going to chew into the budget. Where now I'm just like, oh, if I can fix it up, don't worry about it. So yep. it's a, that's like one, the major thing, which is just like fun. I can actually go racing and, and have some fun. Like I, yeah. I bent, I buckled, I crashed into someone and buckled two rims. And I was just like, oh, well, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> just get another rim. All good. Yep. Like just press on. So that's good. And then also I think, I feel like I'm, the maturity of, of myself. I thought I was mature at the time. But yep. I feel like now I'm obviously a lot more mature than what I was at, in my 20s. But I definitely, I was talking to my dad about it, I was like, I feel more mature just like at the racetrack and how I handle things. Obviously when I was younger I used to have mad anger issues so that was obviously one thing. i just feeling a bit older like just things don't phase me as much and you know like I have an issue on track and I'm like oh good like don't worry about it like I'm just having fun like the race that I had on the weekend like I, I got ran into and I spun out and I come back in and they're like oh you okay and I'm like fuck that was the best race I've ever had and I had so much fun because I was last so I had to work my way through the field, field and yeah. Oh, yeah. normally that would just I'd see red I'd be fuming but yeah it was just so much fun so I definitely think I am more mature, level-headed and, yeah, got the money to not have to worry about shit, which is nice.
1: Unreal. So mm-hmm. what's your what's your plans? Let's say next few years, what do you want to do? Well,
2: I don't really know because I didn't plan to do much with the racing. I just wanted to return and tell everyone, fuck you and you know, boost, 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 the, <laughs> yeah. boost the OnlyFans subscribers a little bit, make a bit of money and sort of just do a mic drop and fuck you, I can do whatever I want. I said I was going to do it, I did it and, and go, but – now I actually think I want to go racing and keep doing doing motorsport again. So I don't know. The plan is to do. Only fans are really keen to to stay involved and they're happy with the program. So I think we're going to try and do some things overseas next year. And and they're obviously in America and and go over there and see yeah. what, see what they want me to do and if they're happy to do anything and keep racing here in Australia if there's the opportunity to next year.
1: Well, I suppose it's a new thing for OnlyFans, a new field to sort of dive into with the whole. You know, it's not a really popular thing on OnlyFans. It's not the thing that first pops to your head. Is yeah. like cars is it
2: yeah well, now, I ha- now I have like car content and motorsport content on my on OnlyFans there. as yeah. well so I do you know I do like topless updates of race weekends and all that fun sort of stuff as well yeah. so I can incorporate the two worlds perfectly so yeah. I do live updates of how I go on track I tell them when I'm on track next and it's, it's just a cool level away from social media that they can get obviously the uncensored interaction and then still get their racing fix as well which is really fun but I think for OnlyFans the best thing is is that I was a current creator and a successful creator and now I'm doing something that they're involved with and I'm good at it. Um so for them it's perfect cuz you know how many how many other girls or creators are doing something that they can sponsor and be involved with that have existing successful pages. That's so right. I think I think they're really happy with everything. So yeah, I hope to hope to maybe do some stuff overseas next year keeping the GTs the the GT category seem to like me more than anyone else. So yep. I'll stick to them cuz I'm welcome there and so is only So yeah, who knows? Honestly, it seems to be my life. I don't really plan for much and I just fucking wing it and yeah. yeah,
1: well, it sure. seems to be going all right for you.
2: Yeah, so, so far, yeah, so far, yeah. so good, yeah.
0: Your downtime, obviously you bought the house and you like doing a bit of DIY. <laughs> I see a bit of TikTok stuff. Mm. Like, we we'll are just discussing before this. You're probably going to race home to go help do the fireplace. Yeah,
2: yeah, yep. I'm, a, I'm a bit of a DIY <laughs> queen. I've just, I bought a house two, two years ago now and I've renovated it so I've put a new pool in and a massive outdoor entertaining area sunken in fire pit and yeah I'm, th- I'm going to race home and be there Thursday and help lay the tiles in the in the fire pit and help with that process so that's yeah. something I look forward to and I've yeah repainted the walls in the house and I've fixed up a few things I've just done the, the kitchens inside and yeah I just love changing shit and spending money. It seems to be the downfall of me <laughs> yeah. being home with downtime. The first thing I go is, oh, that wall looks a bit boring. I'm just going to go to Bunnings and get black paint and paint it black. Or I'll yep. look at a door handle and be like, fuck, I'm changing all the door handles in my house and change all the door handles in my house for fun. Or I just do weird shit. So, But I love it. I love doing DIY stuff. And, yeah, pretty much every room in my house has been... Renovated, touched, painted, fucking something's been done to it because I just can't help myself. And the outside's been done as well. And I've put a lot of effort into the outside of the house—just yeah. pool, landscaping. I've made a bit for the chooks at the back and built them a chook house. And yeah, I've put lots of effort and lots of hands-on effort. A lot of people go, "Oh, well, you got a fucking builder doing it," but I've done done a huge amount of it myself.
1: Yeah, oh, oh awesome. that's awesome. Yeah. Well, best of luck with everything Thank you. over the next Thank you. Uh, next couple of years and that. Thanks for coming on for a chat. We should uh, get to the old guest questions. Yeah. Hit you with a few of these. So, uh, have you ever been arrested? No. No. Well no. done.
2: I'm a good girl. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. Oh, good stuff.
2: On paper anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, that,
1: that's the go. Um, Favourite alcoholic drink?
2: Canadian Club.
1: Yep. What, Canadian Club and Dry? or just Yeah, the... CC
2: and Dry, low yep. sugar yep. cans. That's... Hands down, go to, go to drink it for the rest of my life if I had to. Although I love ginger beers at the moment, Brooklyn oh, yeah. ginger beers, yep. Yeah. I'm yeah, smashing good. them. But my all-time favorite Canadian Club, for yep. sure, CC and dry can low sugar,
1: yeah, done. Good stuff. Um, any phobias? Heights. Yeah, right. Eh? I'm not really a, high,
2: a high. I can be high, but it, I can be in control. If I'm high and not in control.
1: Yeah. Not interested. Yeah, like, so no
0: sky No, it's no not, zip yeah. lining
2: shit, none of that. No. No. Yeah,
0: yeah. That, not no, for f- me. Fair but if enough. I'm
2: high in a building,
0: Yeah. you're okay like, in I'm a not high rise. Control, yeah. like. I still sweet. get a bit when you even you go out to the railing going. Ugh. I did
2: freak out, like at the Grand Canyon. I went to the Grand Canyon and they have like that skywalk. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a bit. Normally, I'm okay with that stuff, but that was like whoa, because it was just so far down. Mm. It like you looked down, and it almost looked like the ground was moving, because it was just <laughs> like the shape of the ground was weird. Oh yeah, that was one. Yeah, I was like getting a bit dizzy and giddy on that, and the floors like glass, and you just. Ugh. Yeah. Normally, I'm okay with that stuff, but yeah, heights out of control. Not interested.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, favorite meal to cook. Mm. I don't cook. Yeah, yeah, right. So what is it, just Uber and shit? Uh, no,
2: not Uber. I just get pre-made meals. so um, oh, yeah. The only – I do have two meals. So I have a few meals that I can cook. I can cook. I just choose not to selectively. Yeah. Um I do love steak. I fill it. Yeah. And then like a steak of salmon. Yeah, right. Just in the air fryer. Yeah. They're like my two things. I'll just put sweet chilli sauce on it. Yeah. Some rice and some bok choy. Done.
1: Good stuff. Yep. Last one, an alien drill, do you reckon?
2: Yeah. I, I don't think I believe in aliens as such, but I believe that there is something else beyond
1: something else going our on our universe. Another life. Yeah. Yes,
2: yeah, a life form, and I often like think about. I get into deep, dark like podcasts and twists, and you start thinking about it. I, I was hooked for a little while because my dad were talking about it. I'm like, I think that there's someone like above us. I don't really believe this anymore, but I'm mm. like, there's something above us that's just like looking at us like in a little simulation. And then one day they're just going to go, fuck these guns, did all right, turn the lights off, next one. (laughs) Dad and I used to speak about it all the time because Dad's a bit of a conspiracy theorist. He's a a bit like that. But, yeah, I do believe that there's something, maybe even not something, something bigger somewhere else, Mm. something else somewhere else. Well, I
1: suppose people choose not to think uh, too much into that sort of thing because of the fact that we don't know and you, there's no way to find out at yeah. the moment. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty wild to start thinking about that way. Yeah. You can get into those rabbit holes and go, whoa.
2: Yeah, and I think that there's something else out there wondering if there's something else out there and we don't know about each other. Well, my thing is, is if it's we'll like we'll...
1: the solar system, the Milky Way, whatever the fuck you call it, surely there's another one somewhere yep. and there's a planet similar to ours yep. with a similar, like they might look weird or yeah. fucking think we might do, but be fucking surely. Yeah.
2: Might be gorillas or Donkeys It can't
1: be the green It's probably not the green guy Yeah With the big head and that But there's something
2: Yeah That's what I don't know. I'm not So much aliens as such But something similar
1: Yeah Yeah Good stuff Once again Thanks for coming on Thank you Best of luck with everything Over the next uh, couple of years And yeah It's been good to chat
2: Thanks for having me
0: Cheers